I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. So we have a bit of a duo topic this week. We could not call ourselves dancers without discussing the passing of a dance legend uh, and ranking and then we also totally want to have to discuss this ridiculous new television series that is coming out on Netflix called Tiny Pretty Things. Um, so let's start with the legend first. So mm-hmm. I can only hope that you all know who Anne Ranking is, because if you don't, maybe if you're a ballet dancer only i can let you get away with it or, or just- maybe like you're or you're not a dancer you listen to us which please continue to listen to us but if you're a dancer or in the dance world i if you don't know about her if you've never learned about her or been informed about her i highly suggest you start googling her and her performances you've probably honestly seen performances before and didn't know because she is a true true dance legend i will say i did there is a point she's one of my favorite performances of if they could see me now from sweet charity mm-hmm. and i so people of course my timeline has been packed with people resharing videos and have met her and things like that and i was like wait this is one of my favorite clips from from sweet charity of if they could see me now and i did not know it was her mm-hmm. um but so brief very brief history she is one of the two muses of Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. You have Gwen Vernon and you have Anne Reinking. These two women set the tone of what Fosse is, hands down. Um, she's responsible for the, it, well, I guess it's not currently running, the most recent Broadway revival of Chicago. She did a restaging of Fosse's work. So mm-hmm. she is credited as the choreographer for that. Um, for that most recent Broadway rap. You didn't learn if you're not considered to have learned Fosse if you did not learn from her or Gwen or Fosse himself. That is a lot of the rule when it comes to Fosse. It's it's like a big thing is like you don't unless yeah unless like you can learn Fosse and take, take workshops but it's like unless you've worked with someone who knew him or Gwen or in ranking then you didn't really Get, like the real experience right like you needed someone who was like in the room mm-hmm. where it happened right? and that like that's a real thing and the reason like i said on top of working with someone like bob posse she in her own right has done more broadway musicals and more movies and movie musicals and and dance concerts than many of us can ever hope to dream and she was also just the pioneer of it you know um like i said she's just Fosse seeing her body and creating these things in her body like she really is the foundation for almost all of music theater all of Mm -hmm. music theater and jazz dance is a lot of is a lot of on her Mm -hmm. um I I will even go so far as say it's like Beyonce's uh singles ladies video not the choreography per se but the look of the leotard black tights 
Gwen and Anne, Gwen and Anne spent their life in black tights and leotards. And well, he, even the even the music video though, there's actually a a performance of a Fosse piece called Mexican Breakfast, Breakfast. Yep. that Gwen Verdon did, and I'm not Anne Ranking may have been in that video as well. I'm not positive though, so don't quote me. And it is. I mean, it's the single, half of it is the single lady. That was the whole controversy. Is that, is that, that yep. Everyone was like, I've seen this before. And it, even yeah. when I saw it, I was like, I've seen this before, but I don't know where. But then you had some people being but, like, that's Mexican breakfast right there. And I was like, oh. You know what it is, though? This is a quick side note. is Because I did like a big study two years ago with some of my kids at, at school. Um, on this is like, I just think it's, I, I don't know if she's ever come out and like said this. But I would not be surprised if, I don't know if it's her choreographer, which his name escapes me, or Beyonce herself, or both of them. But I believe that they that they are huge Fosse fans. Because not only do you have Single Ladies, which is based off of Mexican Breakfast, but you also have, um, oh my gosh, what is that? Which is the rich yes. man's fugue from Sweet Charity. The rich, literally like shot for shot, the rich man's fugue. And my kids freaked out when we did a study on that and we compared the two oh and this has been a con this is a very controversial topic when it comes to beyonce and dan or i should not say her i should say her team and it has mm -hmm. not happened in latter years because there was also an issue with her countdown video which was another recreation of a much smaller uh european artist mm -hmm. and Essentially, her team want her team recreates things because they want uh, they want larger audiences to be aware of them or to bring them back into mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. That they're not yeah, and they're not doing it to like steal work. That's not what they're no, doing, and they're also doing it justice. Because yes, the Fosse stuff 100%. is really good. They're, like I said, it's, give me I body mean, and and single ladies. Beautiful. Give Me Body is a gorgeous, like shot for shot remake video. It's really, really lovely. And I think the issue is like, you know, people come out and they want to say they still work. And it's not actually what's happening with Beyonce and her team at all. No, because they give them credit. It's not, no, yes. it's not like, it was one of those things of like, I don't, I vaguely remember her saying, I think it, it was for Get Me Body. She was like, you know, that's from Sweet Charity. She was like, you know, that's from a musical. Like she said, I remember her saying one, she's like, it's from a musical. Like you can go watch the yeah. musical. So, um, so yeah, I, I do remember those controversies and things like that. But again, when you have such amazing talent, it, it's again, and we can have a whole episode on, you know, stealing work or recreations because I think I'm not for stealing work but I think you do, need, you do need recreations. And a lot of you that are in collegiate dance programs knows that once or, you know, or I hope within the course of your four years, you're doing one recreation piece. Like mm -hmm. I know my very first year, we had a twilight, my, our director recreated a twilight art piece that was mm -hmm. so much fun to watch. Um, so I, I, and I, the importance, the reason why I think recreations are important is because it gives us a chance to learn one, learn these pieces that don't get done that often or learn repertoire for companies that still do them. Mm -hmm. Or also just learning like what their thought process was. Cause like the pedestrian movement that we went through in dance in like the eighties where everyone was like walking and running on stage. And it's like, they thought this was revolutionary cause no one ever walked on stage. 
you know, or turn sharp angles and things like that. I, I love that movement. So I don't, I don't think you can ignore it, you know? And I, I think that's the epitome of something like Anne Reiking continuing to teach Fosse, you know, like she had this dance style built for her body. Why wouldn't she continue teaching it? Why wouldn't she continue spreading it, you know? And it's such a create, it's such a part of the creation of dance that like, I just, I think there is something to be said for just recreating work. And I just, I hope you're at a college program that addresses it. Even if you just recreate, you know, movements and phrases in class from, you know, big, large works, I think you need to know them. I think, yeah. you, like, because I just don't think you can be, I'm on that mindset that, you know, not everything's new under the sun, but like, I don't think I could choreograph how I do now if I hadn't studied Michael Bennett. If I haven't well, learned about his recreations or Fosse's recreate. Matter of fact, I've recreated the opening number from Chicago before. For oh my yeah, I did college. a, I did a production of. Um... So yes, I think uh, there is an importance to recreating of work. I just think it's, I think it's important. I, mean, I agree. I think how, you know, these choreographers and these works are famous for a reason and just like you would study any other historical event or what came before something it's extremely important to study these pieces and by studying these pieces not just watching them but getting to do the movement understanding what that choreography actually feels like on a on a person's body um and yeah so I was definitely saddened by the by the news of her passing I know that they at least to my knowledge, have not yet released what she passed from. I uh, truly, truly hope that this sounds terrible, me being like, oh, I hope I hope it was something else, but I actually hope that it was something and not COVID and she's at rest. Um, I, the at only information now. that I've been able to, uh, that I've read about so far is that she was in Seattle with her family, visiting family, okay. so that she was surrounded by loved ones. Um, and nothing, nothing salacious has shown up. Um, but yeah, like I just, I definitely think she's going to be one of those, again, she's one of those women that I hope we remember just as strongly as we remember the male choreographer that's behind her. Mm-hmm. Because I'm with you. Like I, when I think, when I see Fosse in my head, it is her and Gwen that I see. It is images of them yes. that I see it's, in my I head. Mean, it's 100%. So, like they were... They were his muses, right? Like they were truly his muses forever and ever. And and he um, was not an easy man to work with. There's plenty of documentation that shows that. And there's even like, you know, from the research I've read, the stuff that I've watched, even though like, you know, Gwen obviously knew at one point she had, you know, they had separated, she had moved on. She knew that Anne and him were together. They, the two of them still had a working relationship too. Yes. And mm-hmm. a relatively solid. And the scene, if anyone's seen the movie, All That Jazz, where there's a scene of him um, and it's Anne and she plays like his, like this girlfriend of this choreographer, right? Because it's autobiographical, but it's not. And there's a little girl in the scene. And that really was supposed to de- depict like almost like twofold, like his relation, like the relationship of of Gwen and their daughter, right? So Gwen is the uh, Nicole's mother. Um, but it also was supposed to de- depict Nicole's relationship with Anne, 
you know, like she did have a relationship with her, Nicole Fossey, who is Gwen Verdon and Bob Fossey's daughter. Um, so yeah, we just want to pay homage. We'll be posting a bunch of awesome video clips um, and stuff on Instagram. So check them out. If you're a listener who listens because you love us and you don't really understand what we're talking about, right. um, check um, it and out. If, and if it. you don't, like, I, I strongly encourage you to go back and look at her, her body of works over decades and decades. She, like I said, this is a woman in her 70s now, will pass away in her 70s. Like, mm-hmm. she's, and was working at like 17. So like there's a large mm-hmm. body of work to see from this woman that it's phenomenal. And she's the first, let's be very clear there. She is a lot of firsts. There are a lot of firsts on her resume and rightly deserved. Um, so, so let's go into our another twisted little gem so, of a show that I knew that was coming. Ever... I knew nothing about this. Did... Neither did I. Danielle texted me about this a few days ago and I was like, what is this? And then it just went downhill from there. So this is what happened. I also had not heard of it. I think I turned on Netflix. I like saw it as like new, right? Like new arrival. And I was like, ooh, something with ballet. And then I saw a mutual friend of ours posted about it on Facebook, I think in a status and said something about like this show is insane you need to like everyone every dancer needs to watch it and I was like all right let me check it out um and it's insane I mean it is like okay so like spoiler alert sorry I we are we there will be we won't go into we're going to hit major plot details. We won't get into, a, hopefully not into a lot of subtle, but like, I just want to claim spoilers There now. are going to be some spoilers. Yes. There because are going to be have, some spoilers. We have to deep dive into this because I don't. Well, I, I want to start show, with. So the show takes place in, in America, but it, it's a Canadian show and it wasn't yes. advertised. Like, it's not like it was a show that like Netflix was doing advertisements for or online or anything. And it just a, appeared. It appeared out of nowhere. And so I... Sorry, to recap, we are... Yes, and we're talking about it's called Tiny Pretty Things. Yes. Currently on Netflix, if anyone didn't grab that information. Yes, so it is based based off off of a book that I, again, never heard of, know nothing about. Mm -hmm. It is set in Chicago at an elite dance school akin to basically every other major ballet program where the students live in so sounds like we're starting and of course it also starts with like an audition like someone new gets accepted and i was like oh so like center stage like this is what oh yeah it def gives me center stage vibes um and what kept me intrigued is that like scene episode one first couple minutes we're dealing with the murder a young lady had well I mean, spoiler alert, she's not actually dead. But they do a real good job that first episode making making us believe mm-hmm. that woman's dead. Someone gets pushed, jumps mm-hmm. off of the side of a building, really pushed, but uh, off of the top of the school. Mm-hmm. That is also my first issue. As you know, me and Danielle both teach children. Well, Why is there roof access? Okay, so... Period. Let's, so let let's alone... Just, let's break, let's <laughs> after, just break down the beginning. Yeah, let's just break down the baby. So this, it's just after she falls. Yeah, after she falls, she's pushed. They get locks on the buildings that the key students can can have access to via key cards. 
they have roof access still via a key card that will unlock the door. They so can still go on the done. roof. And we have several scenes on the roof, dancing and acting scenes. Why is there roof access? So again, like Tony said, the show starts with, we're at this prestigious ballet school. It's supposed to take place in Chicago. I keep saying supposed to because I feel like somewhere along the lines, everyone involved in the production forgot where the show was supposed to take place, but we'll get back to that. Um, and this day, it, it looks like there's a party happening. There's this girl on the roof. She's like practicing some ballet stuff. Someone in a, like a hoodie comes up, whispers to her, looks like he pushes her, she falls, okay? First of all, I'm intrigued because I'm like, this could be really terrible, but we're talking murder and ballet. I'm in, let's Same. do this. Same. Like, let's do this. But Damn. then, yes. So they have this whole scene where this like, then it, then it cuts to this new girl gets accepted to the program. She shows up. There's a crime scene on the ground. However, something that Tony pointed out that let's continue to point out, there is never a crime scene on the roof. And again, they install like key card access, but the kids have key card access to the roof. It's not blocked off. There's no crime scene tape. There's just mm, lots of stuff. Before we even get into that though, before, I would love to just, okay, so Tony, first couple of scenes in, right? maybe even almost the entire first episode before we figured out the age of these students, these ballet students. What what were you thinking? What were your thoughts? At, at youngest, 18. Maybe one person could be 17, happens. But I'm thinking early college, uh, uh, pre-high pre -high school, even if it's like a high school program before college, or like, or I want to say a high school program, but like a program that you do in lieu of college, like it's not uncommon for like mm -hmm. certain dancers to go do, you know, a year at ABT before getting, you know, going into their degree programs or something like that. Because, oh, that's also the other thing also, which is let, further lets you know that they're like talking about people. The company is called City Ballet. Mm -hmm. And this prestigious school, which is called Archer, has fed and like one of the top stars of city ballet just made principal from that school and they have a generation uh, a generational history of creating top dancers that go into city ballet and several other acclaimed companies around the world so again we're talking basically about modeled after sab into nycb ABC. yes Joffrey them. pre into joffrey like, pre joffrey abt we're talking you. about all the juniors right. I all agree with you, Tony. I thought my mind was like looking at the age range that they looked like. They're they're they live on their own in these like dorm style rooms. I assumed it would be along the lines of center stage, where it was like in, exactly like instead of college, they went to this conservatory mm -hmm. academy type program, mm -hmm. right? Which again, a lot of dancers do. So yeah, in my mind, I was like, all right, freshman year of college. 17 18 because maybe some of y'all are still 17 and up until like 20 like i'm thinking like freshman sophomore year of college yes. maybe a couple of juniors right but like again still very young right as we all continue to get older we all realize that 18 is super super young yes, yes. um you find out somewhere from like one sentence in the first episode that they're supposed to be like 15. Uh, mind yeah. What? When the new girl shows up, 
she goes, uh, essentially, it's like, I have two years to get good before I have to audition for these big companies. The majority of the cast is sophomores for this first season. Yeah. So we're, again, we're talking mostly 16. Like, we're talking 15 to 17. We're talking 15 to 16. 16. Yeah. We're talking We're 15 talking basically to 16. 15 to 16 year olds. And I'm like, what? That doesn't even make sense to me because I know people who went to SAB growing up and yeah. you're not, you don't live there. You don't. Maybe, maybe if you're like international, there's some sort of like dormitory situation, but it's an exchange student. Are, the ones that I know of, it was like an exchange right. situation. Exactly. Where That's you're what living I mean. with a family that is right. surrogate mom and dad. Like my friend literally still calls his surrogate family. He's in the, well, was in the country, COVID. But he he calls him aunt and uncle. Like that was his, like he's to this day still calls him his aunt and uncle because he lived with right. them for like three years. But that's what I'm saying is like, if you're not, it's your either your family, again, your family is relocating or figuring out how to set you up so you can go to class every day or multiple days a week at SAB, or you live in the tri-state area. Yep. But I know people who went there and you commute and you don't go to school there. It's literally just ballet class. It's, it's rep classes, it's technique classes, but you're not doing academics there. So there is a school that has a precedence for it. And I mean, I know two schools. One of them is actually here in Georgia. They were our rivals in high school. Raven Gap, Makuchi, never going to forget them. They were a magnet private high school that was board that was a board, boarding school as well. So the art students did live there. And then there's also North Carolina School of the Arts, which has yeah, a college program. True. Yes, it does. But I know friends that went to the, actually, I know friends that went to both it's funny I few people do high school and college there people will do high school there and then go to college elsewhere or they'll do high school somewhere else and then go to college people will do both so yeah I have yes. heard of it but I I personally um, know I d- so it's I think I know like one person but no you you are right about North Carolina School of the Arts their high school you can opt to live there like a boarding school yes Yep. Actually, I, w- I know a fabulous yeah. dancer. And she just w- gave birth. She well, went there for uh, high school I, and phenomenal talent. Yeah. Um, Walnut Hill, Walnut Hill in Massachusetts, mm. also a bar- boarding school, primarily focused on the arts. That's not necessarily like North Carolina School of the Arts, where it's like a magnet, but it is primarily focused Walnut Hill, but they mm. do other stuff. Yeah, I've definitely heard. I think I might have had some kids from Walnut Hill. But um, the type of the type of program they're depicting in the show, Tiny Pretty Things, is not the type of like it's a boarding school, school where they go to academics. They don't go to academics in this TV show. Like they we have one line that's like you have academics at from eight to twelve, and then at one o'clock you start your arts arts classes. We never see them. We see or them talk studying, about it ever quote, again. Unquote, but studying we see is just them studying like once. Sex. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. a cover for sex. Let's be clear. They have copious amounts of sex in the show to be as young as they are, and they have copious amounts mm-hmm. of freedom that, like, me and Danielle have been in. You programs won't have. Like you this. wouldn't have at a boarding school. We, yeah. but we've been in programs like this, and we have taught at programs like this. The amount of freedom that these kids have is not possible for these types of programs. It is simply not. There's too much money, these programs, for there to be this much freedom. 
there just is. And like, that's another point that they make in the show is that money and power kind of corrupt and rule things. But like me and Danielle have worked at places, prestigious places where simply put, because you're paying me X amount of money, I have better make sure darn well that your child is taken care of. Mm -hmm. So in reality, like right here, this is where we can draw the line and say this is a TV show versus reality. A child fell off the roof, that school would have been shut down for a semester. Minimum, if not a full year. (laughs) I feel like we just jumped into it and we didn't give an overarching synopsis. So quick overarching synopsis. Yes. So show starts prestigious ballet school that feeds into a company, a la SAB into NYCB and ABT. Girls on the roof gets pushed or something. We don't know. Ends up on the floor. You think she's dead. Spoiler, she's in a coma. They tell you like episode two, so it's not really a spoiler. Yeah. New student shows up. She's supposed to be like the edgy. Will she fit in? All these other kids have been here. Basically, also pause, question mark. Let's not dive into it right now, but going to school here and training here since they were in kindergarten, confused. Um, and it's it begins all about the interweaving relationships of these students to each other the hires up, the adults, the dancer, the choreographer, and then also what happens when we put in the world of dance and ballet in particular. Yes, and we should note that one of the intertwining elements, and I do appreciate about the show, is money. It's like how money and how investors play a part in this and how PR plays a part in this because I, Mm -hmm. so I, For me, I went to a private college. So my college never had to pay. We didn't have to come up with money for our shows. They were a part of our budget because we were at a private college. So like the activities fund at our school that all students paid as a part of their tuition, that's where the budget for our shows came from. So I really did not have to deal with investors and producers and things like that until I hit the real world. And it was a huge wake up call for me. Mm -hmm. In this show, we learn that the new girl is brought in after, again, her falling and in a coma. It's really bad PR. So the new girl is brought in. One, she's a black girl from a single parent home. Her dad inner died city, when she was little. Inner city, because she's from yeah. Compton. She's from Compton out in LA. Yeah. So like they picked a rough inner city girl who talent is there, but she botched her audition. So they picked the black girl with a bad background. Turns out her mom's in jail, but she they downplay that for the first half to the school. Bring her in to like bring to provide good PR. Like fresh, yeah, fresh new look, new yes. talent. Look at us taking a chance on someone. And I agree with you, Tony, that I I do really agree that they dive into the world of like the money, the wealth, the PR, because it is what happens in real life, right? And these programs are not cheap. To send no. your child no. to S. SAB is not cheap it's I mean I'm even thinking about like I I did summer programs right like I did summer programs with the Joffrey Ballet and a couple of other bigger dance um companies and I did like summer programs as a teenager which again thinking about even the ones that I would stay at the summer programs as a teenager as 15 16 years old and so None of the antics that they do on the show was what was going on. And the stuff that we thought was scandalous is like, was nothing compared to real world. It was just never by myself. 
no and but the <laughs> other the other part of this too, right like we had curfew we had like the other part of that is too is like those i remember how much those programs cost just for six weeks yeah. so i can't imagine what they, a full year program costs about like a college tuition because oh, i have friends like I, friend, my friends at raven gap they were like my sure. parents are like he, essentially it was one of those like we need to know that you really love this because we're paying college tuition for you to go to a high school mm-hmm. so and and here's why I think that is important because it, as me and Daniel can tell you in the real world as choreographers like dealing with the producers and making decisions being made on seasonal shows and what works are done or things like that and money do play a part in that, you know, like I worked at a company where literally they said we have to do a family friendly mega musical every season because it pays for the rest of the season. And I remember when the artistic director said that I was like, that's so dumb. And then I literally saw the musical was set for 12 weeks and they ended up extending to 28 weeks because we just had the audience for it. And literally when we hit week 22, we an internal email was sent out saying, because we are going past week 22, we already have the money to completely pay for the two uh, non-musical shows on this season. So we, I'm going to pick some really obscure stuff because they're already paid for. And it doesn't matter if we make any money off them. Like he straight up said, like, it doesn't matter if we make any money. So I think that's an important thing to talk about when you are talking about the world of dance and the arts entertainment industry. And I also think they do a really good job of talking about the creepers that are involved in a lot of this. So months ago, Tony and I had, or more than a year ago, actually, at this point, I think. I don't know time, COVID. I don't know time. I don't know time. Hopefully we're out of this soon. I don't know Um, time anymore. Tony and I I had an episode um, about the scandal that occurred at NYCB. I believe this was spring or summer of 2019. And- um, We did an update, I think this year. I think we did do an update this year. And oh yeah, cause we did an update with West Side Story. But so anyway, if you don't know, Google it, Google the NYCB scandal, um, Google the West Side, Google West Side Story revival, Google the Carousel revival, you'll find all of the information about it. But mm-hmm. I bring this up because Tony and I have talked about this before because it it happens in real life as it did and it was huge and I do have to say that while this show Tiny Pretty Things is fucking insane so dumb. like which it is so and we'll get into so more dumb. of the insanity they do bring to light some really good points like the idea of funding and money and how rich richness plays into the dance world but also the creeper right it's been a huge issue forever and it's been a bigger issue since Me Too and an even bigger issue in the dance world and, since NYCB. Yes. And so here's the thing. It's a, a wonderful, I have so many issues with just how crazy the show is. I love the show. Let me say that flat out. I love the show. It's wild. The writing on it is not always acted well, but one of my favorite parts of the show is Coma Girl has opening monologues that discuss open and closing monologues that discuss a particular topic that is important to the episode but also are very factual about the dance world and i kind of want to go back and do like episodes where we talk about each one of those individual topics because they're kind of amazing but like Mm -hmm. 
the writing on it is top notch for the show because some of those just one liners, one of the school director who they call Madam, which I just love, she has a line saying that ballet was once paid for by kings and queens. Now I just have rich entitled devils to deal with. And let's just like that, let's just be real. Yes. French courts made ballet. Literally, the French aristocracy made ballet. That's where it came from. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when you take into account the reality of it, that kings who were the richest people in the land, kings and nobles would commission ballets, would be the ones paying for this. In, in this updated world, it's true. Ballet is not ch- any dance. It's not cheap. But especially, in particular with ballet, like there's a room, which is a, they do some wonderful cinematography in the show in general, but there are some wonderful shots in the shoe room. So the shoe room at the school mm. is a room where the rejected point shoes from famous dancers don't go to waste. They get passed down to the girls. So either the That's girls- the thing about them. We'll get there. I mean, yes. I have not seen rejected shoes like this, but I have definitely seen situations where I know, because I've worked at a place like this, uh, at a school that was the beneficiary of the schools that like uh, defected shoes or like there's like the ribbon wasn't sewn right on a ballet slipper so they can't officially sell it. I know that Capizio and I think Block, like they'll donate that to school and programs so that like they can have proper shoes because they can't sell it because it's not up to product standard. But the fact that like mm-hmm. the ribbon just needs to be re-sewn and most people cut the ribbons anyway and do their own thing. So little stuff like that. Like, so it's a thing. But in this room, like it's hand-me-downs essentially for this top prestigious school. So there's still that. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are several just like one-liners where it's literally like, ballet is just expensive and i can say this having worked at a a studio before our tutus were handmade out of the caribbean and when i tell you they were gorgeous but they were also 500 dollars a pop and i had to be that person in a meeting being like why are we putting 500 dollars on children that learned how to go, go on point six months ago that was just me and my that was just me but that is what people want that is what people pay for willingly all the time. So I, I, I think that is just a, a phenomenal point to put when you talk about this show in general, is that you cannot ignore the, like, the evils that are created from this money, but also the beauty that comes from this, because it's just not a cheap art in any way, shape, or form. It's just not. No. Um, they have, it's, or... It's, um, it's really not. I was going to say, one of the characters is a physician, is, is like physical therapist, physician, mm. doctor, and he's mm-hmm. on staff at the school. And I'm like, he ain't cheap, y'all. That medical background is not cheap. Like that, and that's a real role that exists at several companies where you have someone on staff, on site that you can, that looks at the physical health of everyone and things like that. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's one of the really big points we should that we have to discuss when we discuss the show. But I also think we should, I nudity, which we just did an episode on nudity and sexual activities within the show. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, I do want to say so. I agree, I do agree with you. While I think so, a couple of quick things, and again, we're not going to deep dive into every aspect of the show because we no. don't want to do a ton of spoilers either. 
not necessarily like a movie review. This is us just geeking out and deep diving into this insane show. But and topics that why, actually have affected the dance world. Yes, absolutely. And while the acting isn't great, mm-hmm. and pause, it's not great because they actually cast dancers. Yes. Which so while I wish some of the acting was better, I appreciate um I appreciate and I am fine because they're all legitimate dancers. And I do agree that I think that while so while the acting isn't great, when you get down to the bare bones of the writing and the script and the themes that mm-hmm. are used, they are extremely topical, especially right now and especially after the past two years in the ballet world. And I think that um Again, I think every once in a while, somebody decides to expose the ballet world in particular. Again, abuse happens everywhere. Let's yes. call a spade a, you know, let's call a spade a spade. But it, it, it does run rampant in the professional ballet world. And, and that's because a, it's been ingrained forever. And there's a character, there's a female character too, who herself is abused in her past. And she... And this, I mean, this is a bit psychological, but it's like abused people often turn into abusers if they do not get the help that they Mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. And there's, again, another great writing where she was like, you have young girls and rich male donors. It happens. It happens. And that I think is the, that has been the unspoken rule that no one has talked about for a very long time until, like I said, the last two years, the Me Too movement, you know, the last several, like there's been, it's been happening long before this, but I think we are now at a point where people are just tired and ready to talk. And the they're realizing that at one, as we get more female, as we get more female directors and more female artistic directors and more females in position of power, they want to, they refuse to let that cycle continue. Or, and there are some male directors and mm-hmm. just directors that are also on that same boat of just not letting this perpetual cycle of abuse continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And again, like it's, it, the, the show makes a good point of like, are you willing to sell your soul just to create top tier dancers? And the thing is like, again, this is not the first time this subject has been broached. It was yeah. to a degree done in, center stage it was definitely done in Susperia it was 100% done in Black Swan I just think that it's not common right it's every couple of years someone decides to expose what's happening um so kind of side but if you are a big dance and psychological thriller fan even though the acting's not great this is not going to be like this is not going to be let me be very clear this is not going to be Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis but highly suggest you watch it um but like Tony said before, last week, we, our last episode, we talked about nudity and sexuality and dance. And there's a lot of that in this show. And I do want to talk about that because and there so, is a lot of nudity so in this show. There is show. one scene very early on in the show that like, is a little scandalous, but I'm like, that to me felt more high school appropriate. And there's a moment where they're at uh, this party after like all the donors and adults have like gone inside or gone home. I'm still trying to figure out where their like direct like guardian is supposed to be for them. All the kids are like topless in this pool. That was about as scandalous as we really got in high school when you're dealing with art dancers and arts kids. 
that to mm-hmm. me i was like okay that's that's why i wasn't immediately alarmed after, after that first scene just because as dancers and I, I do believe we talked about this in the nudity episode like we are constantly touching each other and we are constant constantly very scantily clad so like being naked in this situation doesn't particular alarm particularly alarm me in that situation it's the copious amounts of sex that so, made me go how are how is there the time space opportunity for all of this to happen in this world that we've created you know that's that's where i i was the most confused slashed alarmed it didn't make sense to me because i was just like if we are dealing with high school kids that's what i said supposedly they're in high school the same way they're supposedly in chicago um I just, I, the, 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 like I said, the being naked or scantily clad totally makes sense. Like we see plenty of midgets. We see, we see plenty of like Mm -hmm. ballet and dance appropriate costuming or like there's a rehearsal, Mm -hmm. like several times in the ballet class, the guys have no shirts on and like there are sports bras in the background or things like normal, normal, did it myself, normal. People don't wear clothes. That doesn't bother me. Girls being topless, also not phased because most girls don't wear bras with their leotards anyway so like mm-hmm. that is not like you even have like bras built in the leotard so like i'm unbothered by that it's just the fact that like they are fucking and so I'm like, what's I, happening? I agree so it's not there's a lot of nudity in the show and sometimes i'm like i don't need to see all that but it isn't that that bothers me as much because i agree i think they never overstep the boundary um within the dance world part of it right so like yes. when they're in class whatever they're wearing you would see that in class when they're in rehearsal whatever they're wearing you would see that in rehearsal there's actually even a line where they get their first like rehearsal costumes for a piece and one of the girls is like can you believe that he's making us wear this it's so like like skimpy and it's really not it, the it actually is a leotard with a very long flowy skirt but the thing about it is it's got like side cutouts and back cutouts so it can get a little like side booby and stuff like that and i just think it goes to re- to reiterate to you is like especially ballet dancers are used to being in very tiny clothes and then when you do something mm-hmm. like oh we're going to take a cutout of a leotard and like cut out a piece of it that makes them nervous I think all of that is appropriate. Again, sometimes don't think I need that much nudity, but it's never it's never a point where I'm like, oh, weird. What I have an issue with, what I take pause with is what you said, Tony, is there is an extreme amount of sex happening between these characters that are supposed to be, and the core, the core group of characters that are supposed to be 15, 16 years old, we're pretty sure, because there's Max, multiple lines throughout the show. might get 17 year old. Right, and there's <laughs> multiple lines throughout the show about how like, oh, well, in two years, I'll be 18, or in two years, I can apply for college. So I'm thinking your sophomore year, you're about 16. Again, I agree with Tony, Max 17, don't think anyone's 18 who's in the school. Nope. And Not out of Tony and I were talking about this before, uh, before we started filming and I was like yeah of course I knew I knew kids in high school who were 
having sex, right? Whether, you know, they were either in a relationship or not. And I knew, right? Because we were also idiots and everyone talked to each other. So everyone knew who was having sex. But the amount of sex that these kids have, the amount of time they're allowed to be alone, the amount in which they do and pause, the amount of switching partners and talk of so-and-so had a threesome, so-and-so does this orgy, so-and-so is meeting a stranger for sex when they're supposed to be 16 years old, I do take pause with. Because I'm wondering, back to the, our conversation about nudity, I'm wondering what is the point? Well, and it also makes me, I, I think the problem with me is that like, I go, what's the point, especially when we, we're, we're shooting for this age group? Because as adults, sex is a release or it, it, sex has more other components to it as an adult when you're thinking like an adult. As a child, you don't go to sex as a release. No. You wouldn't, and, and, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a release. Exactly. Especially, there's, especially for a girl, speaking from a woman's perspective, I believe it would not be a release as that a, early on. We're dealing with young girls not too far out from puberty, also at that. Yeah. So to me, I th- that's where I would say, I will challenge the writing on that, where it's just like, because there are several moments where like, they are seeking out sex over companionship and i'm like Mm -hmm. in 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 high school it's more about companionship than it is sex and so i think that line gets very skewed um and switching of partners like that is children are as i teach high school children children are way too territorial for like as quickly as they switch partners in a 12 episode series that's only theoretically spanning a school year or possibly one semester. No, I, even um, the full school year, they're way too territorial for that. I knew, I knew a girl that um, had sex young, and um, in not a great situation, she was kind of like forced into it by quote unquote friends who were older than her when she was a freshman in high school, and. It was not, oh, cool, you had sex, that's great. She was severely bullied in high school. She had to have the principal escort her to and from classes because kids would throw things on her, push her into walls, write disgusting things on her locker and in the bathroom. Like, it it was really bad. Like, I think the cops had to get involved with some of this stuff that some of the other kids did. So again, I understand that I'm like in my early 30s now and I was 15, 15 years ago pretty much or so but I don't think that our world has changed that much where that wouldn't still happen today now again boarding school no parents around things get a little bit different however if you go to watch the show I think that anyone will see that not the as I'm watching as I'm watching the cast have all these sex scenes Again, I would even understand it more if they were 18 and at college, where you're starting to really explore your sexuality, your identity, you're on your own for the first time. Mm-hmm. Some of these characters are also talking about, oh, so have I, so-and-so and I have been together for five years. I'm sorry, you've been together since you were 11? That's what I'm like, someone, right. someone needs to be fired on the show because and, someone wasn't checking that script. And you know what? I would even go so far as to say that 
I wonder if it was a last minute change. Like when they were reaching and when they were writing the original script and pitching it, they were of this age. And then they were like, mm, actually, let's go back and make them younger. Because note to, to a note to the cast, all of this cast that is dancing, the core group of dancers that we follow, everybody got a BFA. Everybody got a BFA or trained at like oh, yeah, national I think ballet. The youngest person... I think the youngest like, person in the cast is like 25 or something. Right. So we are uh, on the real world side. We're talking about all young. These are all young professional dancers that have trained in four year or three year or strong intensive dance programs. So like th- the actors, them, actor dancers themselves are in the right mindset. But I just, I also, I just wonder if it was a last minute change just because there are so many miss miss moments there. I would, um, I would, I could see that. I could see that because I also think the the way that the script is written and the character development does really feel like we are following a group of like 18 to 20 or maybe 18 to 21 year olds. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't feel like, um, so, okay, let's, so like, I'm thinking about how like Got the TV show Gossip Girl is insane, right? And like, yes. there's a lot of sex that happens on Gossip Girl, but at least, and again, nobody looked like they were in high school. Never. But at least the way that the writing and the character development was done, they seem to be more in high school. These characters seem to be at least 18, you know? Yes. Um, it's just, um, and then, so, there's a lot of inner teenage sex happening, right? Quote, unquote, teenage. Let's talk about, we touched on this before. There's a lot of underage sex happening, right? Like in terms of like, there's a lot, a lot of these supposed core group of dancers that are supposed to be like 16 years old going out and being with people who are supposed to 30, 40, 50 years old. Again, I know things like that happen in real life. And to a degree, I'm happy we're exposing it. But I'm also like, there's a lot of, mm, and there's one there's of two, a lot of like non-consensual or non, you know. And you know what? I'm going to put it with the Degrassi rule. So there's a television show out of Canada. Drake was part of called Degrassi. And the biggest critiques when this show came out many, many moons ago, because Degrassi, I don't know if it's still on now, but it's been around forever and ever. Um, because uh, technically what we all watch, what me and Danielle's generation watched was Degrassi, the next generation, which is the children of the original Degrassi. It's a whole saga. Go look it up. But the big critique that they had with Degrassi is that Degrassi put too much happening at one high school. And the three, mm-hmm. there are three kind of relationships that are, that are illegal that happen in the show. Mm-hmm. Have uh, the director sleeping with uh, high school uh, we have the choreographer sleeping with a uh, high school girl comma girl spoilers and then we have the director of the program sleeping with one of the male students and then we also have the young gay kid going out on grinder looking up folks yeah and i think separately these are all three important things to tell mm-hmm. you know young gay kid figuring himself out seeking that from any and everywhere I have a hard time believing out of an entire building of ballet people, he's the only gay boy. I mean, I get I get breaking the stereotype, but y'all telling some lies. So there's mm-hmm. that one. The director, a female aggressor with a younger boy, that is a story that also happens. 
And I do Absolutely. think that's a story that should be told. Mm-hmm. Crazy choreographer yelling about sex to young prepubescent girls. Real Definitely thing happens, happened. should be exposed. All three of them together at the same school intermittent. It's a lot. Is a lot. lot. And that's, I think that's my problem with it is I would, I would be like all for it if there was like one fucked up storyline happening and I'd be like, let's dive into it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Right. All three of these are happening on top of, we got a girl in a coma. So there's just a lot. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot lot happening. And so on top, on top of that, something I want to bring up. Okay. So this show takes place in Chicago, supposedly. I'm pretty sure they all forgot it takes place in Chicago at some After point. episode two. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's like one scene like later in the season where like the bean is shown in the background, I think because they're literally like, oh yeah, we're in Chicago. Um, it shot probably in Toronto and um, definitely looks like it's in Canada. Um, to be fair. I was talking to Tony before because I was going to say, just to be fair, like, because we knew nothing about the show, I don't know when this was shot. So we could be pre-COVID or we could be like halfway through COVID, they had to switch. There could be legitimate reasons. But I, as someone that knows that a lot of stuff is filmed in Canada, we get one shot of the giant silver, silver bean. And that's about it. Like, it's, there are just several moments where you're just like, I don't believe we're in Chicago, but continue. Yeah, no, I don't believe they're in Chicago at all. They keep also showing the same landscape where I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not Chicago. But anyway, um, there is also a lot of underage drinking happening, like a lot. And I'm again, I'm not, I'm not talking about kids at a high school party or someone has a fake ID. First of all, nobody shows a fake ID in the show. Like that's not a thing that comes. They have up. one line talking about it, but that's it. And then there's, and not just, also not just alcohol, drugs as well. A lot of like, like ability to, to ability to get narcotics, um, ability readily to available. get, yeah, readily available. Like people are just selling them. And um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes where these kids at separate times are in restaurants being served wine by waiters, are in clubs being served drinks. You know, maybe the club's a little easier to get into, heard, right? are at like an event being served alcohol and I am just like so then I was like well maybe again maybe someone was being silly and and was like oh well in Canada it's fine and forgot that the show takes place in America nope legal drinking age in Canada is 19 in Quebec and Manitoba it's 18 again they're supposed to be 16 so nobody should be being served alcohol at a restaurant by a waiter and that and happens, it happens several times. Every episode, multiple times an episode. The scenes where they obtain alcohol, it's a, it's like a kid's party, sure, right? My other thing is, I think some of the ways in which some of the dancers are able to obtain narcotics is very interesting. And I'm glad they're depicting it this way, right? Like there's something like someone's mother yes. gives her pills. That I understand. But there are other scenes where someone just goes out to someone and like just goes to drug dealers in Chicago and gets a bunch of like Vicodin and shit. Yo, there's also I just like I don't think I grew up that sheltered. I know I didn't, and the accessibility to just extreme drugs again on the story side, exposure. Let's absolutely talk about this. 
But just mm-hmm. the the, e- the easy access to this stuff, I'm just like, my re- reality ability check just because like it's not possible. Or which again, I would try. I would believe more if we played eighteen to twenty. Yes. Yes, but if you want me to believe that a group of 15 to 16 year old children have access to copious amounts of drugs when they're also at the top elite ballet school in the country, no, mm. because take it from mm-hmm. me, I'm not even elite in ballet, but I spent my youth inside theaters and dance studios. You don't have time for this because you're literally always in these buildings. So yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think it does. You know that as I'm saying this, I wonder if anyone who's worked on this show worked on Degrassi, because I do think calling it the Degrassi effect is good. Like there's a a lot of really really good stuff, a lot of good stuff in this show that I want to like take out and dissect. But there's so much happening at once that it's like, mm, 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 y'all. So let's let's shift away a little bit from the scandals to talk about. Something we mentioned throughout, but I we I want to celebrate this when we discuss the show is that like all the time we get non-dancers portraying us. And like we didn't get this. Like I said, this cast is full of trained dancers. The one role that I found that was not actually cast by a dancer, he I didn't need him to dance. He was the choreographer. He's the only one that doesn't have dance background. And I needed him to be a stronger actor, and he was. He was one of the stronger actors in the show. Everybody else was dancers, and I could tell that from the choreography. There, and her name is. Yeah. Sorry, I want to I shout yeah. out the choreographer and consultant. Her name is. Oh my God! I, please don't tell me I lost the article. It is Jennifer. While well, well, while you're pulling it up, while you're pulling it up, I do want to also agree and. Um, applaud the choreographer and consult it because I will say that every dance scene was beautiful. The choreography was Jennifer Nicholas. Beautiful. She was head choreographer oh. and dance consultant. Great. And again, the choreography. So a couple of things that I want to applaud. Choreography, beautiful and brilliant. Casting, again, not mm, acting was, mm, but casting actual dancers to play dancers. Love it. Because your feet actually look like how feet are supposed to look. When they're in technique class, I'm like, yes. I'm not like, nah, girl, you you would never be cast in that show, right? Like, it all was, when they when they sat down and they talked about how are we going to do the dancing part? How are we going to show dancers? They got that right. Uh, yeah. Um, so, they are uh, Guillermo Cota. Tyler, uh, Tyler Pack, she was a choreographer. Robert Benton, Garrett Smith, Judy Lana Nunes. These are all choreographers that were brought in to do different. Uh, Jennifer Nicholas was head and consultant, so she ran the whole mm-hmm. show. But they did bring in several choreographers to show different styles and things of that. And I, and I'm with Danielle. Like, so there is one dancer in particular. He, his background is more hip hop, and he did not start setting the other styles until he got to college, which literally was myself. Uh, well, I did music theater first, not hip hop. But, and the reason why I knew he was not primarily a ballet dancer, there was one scene where I was like, oh, biscuits. There was an unflexed foot mm-hmm. and a number and a jump that he did. I was like, ooh, look at those biscuits. And that was the inner dance teacher, me be like, ooh, nope. Mm-mm. But then there's mm-hmm. also something that like people miss all the time. 
you if you've been trained with people on point or actually worked with people on point when someone doesn't do point you instantly know those girls were on their boxes and all too often when you get someone that's faking the funk they're not on their box and you can instantly tell um so it is like a very very real thing um yeah you just know um and so i just appreciate yes i know you're dying um i appreciate seeing just seeing dancers in their element because just even like to me like the i'm always a background watcher like that entire company was just full of dancers like there were several moments mm-hmm. towards the mid mid season and back half of the season where several kind of like featured parts that we kind of see them a couple times in the background get featured a little more um because for plot line reasons we um they needed to be featured more but they too are also dancers you know like i just mm-hmm. in anytime i'm seeing these beautifully choreographed numbers be them ballet or a little more they're going to call it contemporary ballet, but they're more like modern stuff that happens towards the end of the show. Like, I'm just like, oh, like, w- these are dancers. Like, just eat the stretching. Yeah. Or the ballet class. We, several times we see them in ballet class and the uh, ballet masters are rattling off a combination that, that you see them do, like, in the background to a scene. I was like, oh, those are actual dancers. Because, like, the technique is right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, I just and I applaud more that. than someone else faking our story you know, because no Absolutely. one, Absolutely, and so like, no, I was just saying, I just, yeah, I just get very nostalgic, or I just like, I get angry when someone tries to fake the funk in a ballet class, and I was like, no one has stood there at that bar with their whole body hurting, like, I don't, I don't want an actor to portray that, I want someone that has lived that life, like I have, sitting at that bar, being like, oh, this is gonna be rough, or I don't know how this across the floor is gonna go, or I got mm-hmm. this, Day's a great jump day, or I could yeah. not find my leg the whole class. Those are legitimate things that we as dancers go through that, like, I, I don't know if I can accurately explain it to an actor to portray that versus someone that's literally been like, I mean, we've all had this. I couldn't, I've, we've all had classes where we could not get on our standing leg. Only a dancer is going to be able to internalize that and give you what that all means. Yeah. An actor is not going to find Yeah, that. which is why. Which is why I was going to say, like, while the acting isn't great, I'm able to look past that because the dancing and the work done put into what the dancing should look like on the show is so methodical. And I appreciate that so, so much. So, yes, the show's insane. There are these, like, crazy fucking concepts happening and stuff that teenagers, you're like, okay. But I, I would rec- I mean, listen, here's the thing. We're about to go into the holidays. If you are getting time off of work, especially if you work in some sort of education or performing arts world where you're about to shut down for two weeks. Absolutely. If you are still unemployed and God bless you, this is going to be a great show to just like dive in and just like totally get engrossed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recommend it. And I was like, we have to talk about this sooner than, rather than later because it's insane. There's one more topic I want to hit on as we kind of wrap up. So, and this is just, it's one of those things where like, it's a lot happening, but it is one of those themes that does parallel the real world. And that's the constant diva background. I got the part, I didn't get the part type of thing that happens mm-hmm. throughout the show. Um, that one, that's a very real thing. Oh, Two, yeah. there's there there's a, and they play it up for drama, the cattiness between courts member, 
corpse members and who's get the lead and who doesn't. That felt the most high schoolish and appropriate to me. But that is also, in fact, a real thing that that you will have choreographers and program directors playing the kids against each other or dancers mm-hmm. against each other. And like that's one of those things. Like I'm happy that they took the time to address that. There's also a sister dynamic in the show too, of where like the younger sisters living in the other shadow and like all kinds of drama and things like that happening. That is also in fact a very real thing because I've taught sisters before, mm-hmm. I've taught siblings. And like, that is a very real thing. So those are just another moment of the show choosing to just highlight, again, Degrassi syndrome. A lot of the, there's not a single theme that they bring up in the show that I have not seen in some way, shape, or form. A hundred percent. Everything has all happened or is happening, right? And they're yes. all very important and they need to be addressed. They even talk about, there's even a someone that's that has binging and purging disorder, like 110%. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's everything at once in your face, which yes. just makes it insane. But I agree that what they're at, if you break them all and separate all of the issues, they are all real world issues that I'm glad they're at least to some degree they're trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, that brings us to our tip of the week. So uh, this section is literally just something, a tip to try to help you guys be happy and healthy. Um, mm-hmm. My tip of the week for this year, this year, we're not even at the end of the year yet. My <laughs> tip of the week is enjoy the downtime so for i like i said i know that everyone's had a lot of downtime this year but i know as we here in america has gotten to the latter half of the year a lot of stuff has picked up again like i'm not even teaching every day now but some days it does feel like i'm teaching every day again you know um and so i just know it is like i said it's really cold here on the east coast here in the united states um and so like just i tell everyone enjoy the time with your family like i know it's been a crazy year but like let yourself kind of get lost in the christmas spirit or the holiday spirit of just like find you a good show to binge we just recommended one you know the prom also just came out i doubt we do a review on that because we already did one on the live musical but like yeah find you a good netflix show to kind of just sit and watch and relax and kind of just like now's a good time to be inside the house because it is cold enjoy it don't try try your best to not let it feel like an extension of you know social distancing let it just be like i'm inside to kind of enjoy yourself um and put positive thoughts coming towards the new year and we'll be discussing that more yeah yeah what about you i mean i agree i i i agree with you i think now is the time to really like if you're able to see family or friends, amazing. If you're not, just stay safe, take some downtime. I agree. Like, you know, watch TV, make some food and just rest, really, truly rest. Because even though we've been inside for a long time, it hasn't been restful, you know, and I think for the first time, mm-hmm. for the first time, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we just have to get yeah. through the next couple of months and we will get through the next couple of months. But I think you know, as much as including myself want to pour myself into projects, and I do, I also think to definitely take some rest. I know personally lately I've been so tired and I've realized like I just need to sleep. So it's, 
sounds like a silly it kind I feel like it kind of sounds like a silly tip and we're like everyone get some rest but like truly um just wishing everyone warm wishes and yeah continue to put out those positive vibes because the light at the end of the tunnel is there and we just have to stay on the path absolutely well that's it for us the curtain has closed on this episode but we hope that you will join us next week and every week after that episodes come out every thursday you can find us on your favorite podcast app. Don't, for, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are point PYT on all social media platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC. It's cool life.